Welcome back to Ravens Recap. Well, the Ravens finally snapped their three-game losing skid with a pretty good win at home against the Cowboys. I have to say, guys, this is probably... It's, it's big news, right? I'm excited. This was a game that the Ravens absolutely needed to win. Their backs are against the wall. They kind of need to win out, hopefully to be able to make the playoffs. And, um, you know, to come out at, at home like that and with such a dominant uh, game on the ground. Overall, I thought it was a really great bounce back performance for, for the offense in particular, but but also for the defense as well. Yeah, it was absolutely a must win. We'll talk about it later, I'm sure. But as we've been talking about as well in, in the past weeks, it's a log jam in the AFC at the top. You got a game with Cleveland coming up against Monday night, and Cleveland was the shock of the Sunday slate with crushing Tennessee. So, yeah, this is definitely not a game that the Ravens could drop. And not just because of the standings, also just because they had lost three of their past four. So, I know that the Cowboys are a struggling team, but if we just step back here before we grade how this win looks at in relation to who they were playing. From a momentum standpoint, I think this game is excellent for the Ravens to use as a catalyst for the remaining games of the season. The win was definitely a lot of fun to watch. I never felt like the game was in doubt, despite it not being uh, us running away right away. It took a little bit of time, but then within like 43 seconds, the Ravens were able to score twice because of a stellar interception. And at that moment, it kind of felt like we snapped into 2019 form. And it persisted the rest of the game. I think the big run by Lamar kind of made a statement and felt like a, a, a comeback, you know? It kind of felt like the first time we'd seen something that electric. I know it's happened earlier in the season, but it's, it just feels like it's been forever at this point. And uh, that was a really refreshing thing to see, particularly in his first game back. Yeah, I mean, uh, the big thing for me that I took away from this game, like, you know... Uh, Stats aside, right, the Ravens finally felt like the 2019 Ravens in that like they got their swag back, right? They had their confidence back. The last couple of games, they really didn't have that. You know, you don't you always get like you know shots of some of the guys sitting on the sideline, just kind of like stinging around. And I know that doesn't really mean anything, but I know people do take it sometimes of like you know you got to be like a rah rah guy if you want to show your care, right? I mean that's what Ravens fans complained all the time about Joe Flacco, how he'd never get up and never get down, right? You know, I, I don't know if there's that much truth to it, but it is nice sometimes when you do see players, you know, celebrating, you see them getting excited, you see them happy for each other when they when they score and make a big play. And well, the last couple of weeks, you know, losing in the fashion that they had, having to go through all of the, you know, uh, people who are diagnosed with COVID, you know, playing that game against the Steelers with, you know, the 30 or 40 people that were left. It wasn't very good. There wasn't a whole lot to celebrate about. You know, they made some good plays, but ultimately they lost those games. And this one, like, they have most of the guys back. They seemed energized. They seemed excited. There are a handful of plays in particular, you know, that we'll talk to them a little bit later, but that pass to uh, Marquise Brown, the touchdown. Lamar was super excited for him. For that fourth and two play, the one that you mentioned, Alec, Lamar was, like, waving to the sidelines. He's like, no, stay on the field. Like, I got it. I got it. Don't worry about it. Like, that's what made us excited about 2019 Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, right? And and it's really just great to see that stuff come back. And they got to channel that and they got to ride that for the next couple of games. Yeah, you could definitely sense a fire and an urgency on the team last night, which has been there all season, but it just it just felt like there was more there than there had been in past weeks. I know one of, the, one of you guys mentioned there was definitely some swagger after 
couple of touchdowns that was uh, that were scored. And yeah, it just feeds into what you're saying that it seemed like the Ravens were hitting a reset button a little bit. And there's definitely some things to be cleaned up. But yeah, again, the energy level was was excellent on the game last night. So I guess it's worth kind of just diving into the offense. We're kind of discussing how that was the one of the bigger energizers of the game. And let's talk about the fact that they nearly ran for 300 yards on the ground. Jamie was right. The chunk plays were there up the middle. And we saw that time after time, every single running back basically had a at least one chunk run. Maybe Ingram was like the smallest one, but he had a couple near the end of the game that started being a little chunky. Chunky like Campbell's chunky suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just um, like that. But it was exciting to see uh, all the running yards. And for a bit, we were able to say, oh, they're running on first down again, and it's okay. Because um, <laughs> they're getting over five <laughs> yards, and the expected outcome is better, right? Like, the analytics say that this is okay. Yeah, we can just, let's let's talk about the good before we talk about the bad. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the rushing offense was the best we've seen it since 2019. Like, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Mark Ingram, because even he had a pretty decent game, you know, six carries for 28 yards. It's 4.7 yards per carry. I mean, I understand that Edwards only had one more carry than him and had 101, but that's just because he had monster chunk runs every time he touched the ball. Like the Cowboys had no answer for the Ravens rushing attack. And it was very clear that they were a team that hadn't played Lamar Jackson yet because on that up the middle run on fourth down, like they had no safety help. Like, what were they doing there? No safeties at all in the backfield. Yeah, it was kind of surprising. I mean, I, I know the Cowboys linebackers have been having uh, difficulties, but, you know, there is like Sean Lee on there on the sideline, and I know he's hurt all the time, but he's a veteran player, and I figured that, you know, there wouldn't be as many mental lapses on, on that side of the ball. As a Ravens fan, I can't really explain, you know, some of this stuff. We can just, you know, talk about what happened. But yeah, I think the big thing for me, right, we've been talking all season that how we don't really understand this three-headed, four-headed, five-headed rushing attack. I still don't really understand it, but I think the formula that they played yesterday was closer to probably what's better, which is like more Dobbins, more Gus, more Lamar, Ingram can be the closer, right? Like, it, it was nice that those guys particularly Dobbins and Edwards got involved early they were very successful both of them just like I said Peter I mean Edwards had a huge huge place on the few very few touches that he had was absolutely just a monster Dobbins as well had some really really good plays Um, and then at the end of the game when they only needed a couple more plays to basically close it out Ingram closed out with 4.7 yards of carry like that's that's good that's exactly what we want I feel like maybe with that there he's taking away fewer snaps from some of the other guys you know it wasn't perfect because i know that he did play ingram a little bit earlier i believe he started mm-hmm. yeah he had the first snap yeah so we can get that in for the for the guy right ingram <laughs> you know has a lot of respect from us we loved you in 2019 you know one of our favorite ravens one of our free favorite free agent signings like totally you know would like to get any accolades for him as possible but you know we also understand that like we got to feed the young guys because they're looking so good right now I'll allow that. I, I guess having Ingram being the closer is a nice idea. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but that is kind of what happened. 
And except for that opening, which kind of annoyed me, right? Uh, it turns out that Justice Hill saw the field before J.K. Dobbins in this game. Uh, and that got me tilting a little bit. And <laughs> I mean, it, and it's not just because I was relying on him to save fantasy seasons and he didn't, right? I, I was asking a lot of J.K. Dobbins that game <laughs> from other perspectives. But just even from a team perspective, like it, it, it was playable against the Cowboys, sure. But going into next week, we can't play games. Like, I don't want to wait until seven minutes, eight minutes into the first quarter to decide, like, oh, I guess we should really play our game plan. I just feel like it's irresponsible. What do you guys think? You're hitting on exactly what I wanted to to bring up after, you know, we were ta- discussing Mark Ingram's usage. I think, yeah, he as a veteran player and as a back who's been, who's had success in this league, yes, he's older, but I think he still is a valuable piece to this roster. But I agree with you guys. There's no reason that he should be the the starter on this offense. He's the starter on this offense right now only because he is the vet guy, right? But the Ravens have had difficulty this entire season scoring on their first drive. And despite the fact that they won big against Dallas, they didn't do that last night again. So... If, if the Ravens really want to be able to dictate the pace of play against the Steelers and against the Chiefs and the Titans, uh, they got to start having long drives on their first time with the ball. And you're going to have a much better job of doing that right now if it's Gus Edwards or Dobbins taking the majority of the carries on the first drive. Yeah, it's just too many mouths to feed right now. You know, after seeing a little bit of Justice Hill against the Steelers uh, the week prior, I mean, I still think he's a good player. It's not like he's a bad player. There were a lot of positive things to take away from him. I remember that, I think it was that third down run that he had where he ran for 15 yards or something. It was like a third and nine, really long play. And they ran a sweep to the right and he was able to pick up the first down and get a couple more yards. Like that was a really good contribution from Justice Hill. Like clearly, like if he can, you know, perform and and, and such a bad like play and be able to pick up the first, like that's huge. Again, there's, just, there's so many mouths to feed on here. And all, all we can tell like from right now is like, look, Gus and Dobbins like are continuing to perform better with like fewer snaps. We should be trying to maximize them. Like I understand that we don't want to get them hurt. We want to don't want to overburden them or anything. But like three to four snaps more per guy, right? Or three to four carries more per guy. Like I don't really think is gonna break the bank too much, right? I, I think we kind of gotta just continue to move in that direction. I mean, I'd I'd say the good thing is like it seems like it is. Maybe a little bit slower than we all want, but it, it does seem like it's trending in the right direction. So I'm happy about that. I just think, like I said at the beginning of it, we got to start playing the game plan, the most effective game plan from the onset, because you don't want to fall behind. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to like I much rather bring in Ingram as the closer earlier than start falling behind. And then you don't ever get to do that and stuff like that. I just... If you want to preserve your guys, fair enough. But they have to earn it first. And um, that's kind of where I'm at. (laughs) Yeah. Well, here, I mean, here's another thing, too, that I I think is probably important to bring up, right? Is that in addition to, like, the three-headed, four-headed, five-headed running back committee, right? Uh, Whatever we have, you know, in addition to that being kind of like an enigma that no fan (laughs) or follower of this team has figured out, uh, the other thing we haven't really figured out is like what's the offensive identity, right? We got too many mouths to feed in the running backs. 
Lamar's try- also trying to become a passer because we have all these new weapons. Like, what are we doing? Like, there's just too many things and, like, nobody can ever get started, right? One of the things that I think was really successful about this game is that Lamar was definitely had a lot more design runs and there was some misdirection and we got him involved in the run game, right? I mean, I think he led the team in rush yards and also had that touchdown on the fourth and two play. That, I think, was not by accident. It was definitely intentional. I think with that, like, Adding all of that stuff back and leaning a little bit more onto that, I think, helped open up some of the other things and felt like the offense was closer to what it was in 2019 than what it was in like midseason this year. So I do think that's huge. I think it's something, you know, we can still rely on. And I think the other benefit, too, was that it did start to open up some of the other plays that we've been looking for. Uh, there are more throws downfield. Although Lamar didn't have a perfect game, he wasn't the most accurate passer yesterday. He did hit some shots when he needed to. And I think that all of that added together definitely contributed to why the offense was so much better. Yeah, Lamar put the team on his back. Honestly, he bailed us out so many times, uh, particularly on the play that ended up in the Marquise Brown touchdown. There was a couple third downs, third and longs too. And he tried to pass the ball and there wasn't anything there. And he like begrudgingly ran for the first down. And every time he did it, he kind of seemed exasperated, right? Like, it's clear to me that all season, I think he's been avoiding doing this. Like, he really doesn't want to just take over. But I think it's kind of the best version of him. I don't know. It's always a it's always a balancing act with him because we saw in the playoff game against Tennessee, he tried too hard to make it all on him and failed. It, it, he's such a hard beast to, like, you want as much of him until you don't want any more because... He usually can give you so much. I don't know. Does that make sense, guys? You know, you see what I'm like trying to get at with him. I, I think it's complicated. Um, yeah. I mean, it's opponent dependent. I think in a game like this where the Cowboys' rush defense is so bad, like you want to take advantage of Lamar's rushing ability alongside the running backs because then you continue to have the the option work there and uh, continue to keep the defense on their heels. But then, you know, there's going to be other opponents where uh, Lamar's really going to have to, you know, stay back in the, in the pocket more. You know, there's, there's really no team that Lamar can't rush against, but there's definitely some teams where he, that are better equipped to defend that part of his game than others. So, yeah, I mean, I think transitioning to the passing aspect of the game last night, because we've talked ad nauseum about the rushing to begin with, it was a step in a good direction, despite the fact that you only had 107 yards through the air, but it was efficient, right? And I think that's that's what Lamar was doing in some of the games last year. You know, he was getting multiple touchdowns on only 20 pass attempts, and on only 12 completions, you got two touchdowns. That's a that's a good recipe for success for Lamar especially when you have the the defense putting in as strong as performance as they did last night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to follow a little bit more up on that and then kind of what Alec mentioned before is that, I mean, look, Omar's not a Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's not a, you know, Drew Brees, Justin Herbert. Like, he's not going to be Josh Allen. Josh Allen had an amazing game, by the way, on Monday night. I don't know if you guys knew that. Like, he looked... Uh-huh. I, I've... A little bit of a diet, oh, a little that. bit of a... Uh, t- tangent here but like i i've not really been a josh allen truther even though i've got some family that are bills fans that are definitely like josh allen truthers it's been a little shady like years prior but like i watched that game against the 49ers and like holy crap wow he's uh 
much improved this year. He's evolved his game. Yeah, completely. Definitely evolved this game. I stacked my DFS ticket against Allen. (laughs) 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 Was not a believer. He's turned me into one, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Anyway, anyway, I mean, like those guys can throw for 300, 400 yards a game and and, and like, you know, not bad an eye, right? And that's fine and everything. I, I, I'm not sure if Lamar is going to be that player. He, he might be. He, he's not that player right now. And I don't think anybody right now realistically should expect that from him, right? Because he contributes so much more to the run game and the overall like success of the offense, not just in the pass game. So, yeah, I mean, being, uh, being efficient with the football and hitting the passes that you need to make and, you know, opening up the run game, I think all of that contributes to the success. And kind of back to what you said, Alec, with not putting too much on him. I mean, look, I I think the biggest thing is like, you know, you don't want to put him in a situation where he needs to be a player he's not, right? If you ask him to be a Aaron Rodgers or you ask him to be a Drew Brees and just throw the ball all the time, he's not going to be successful at that. That's not where his strengths are, right? At least not right now when, you know, maybe not all the weapons that he has are able to be able to make big plays when things break down, right? I think... Lamar's not as accurate with the football as he needs to be, and maybe he doesn't have enough guys to you know be able to make that separation when we have broken plays like that. So the more that we can do to make the offense perform like on schedule and not have to like face those like third and long plays where he has to make a super accurate throw to be able to like continue drives, doing whatever we can to avoid that is definitely like what we should be doing. I do think it's kind of unfair to Lamar Jackson. I don't know if any guy's throws are more criticized. I'm not going to say he didn't throw bad balls yesterday, but I will say that he completed 12 out of 17 attempts. (laughs) You know, if the guy throws a bad ball, it's immediately scrutinized. I think other people throw bad balls and it's not immediately scrutinized. That's all I'm trying to get at. Yeah. I hope that he gets his mechanics under control because, you know, those floaters are scary right? The floater, the uh, Boykin could have been an interception if the right guy was in the right place. Uh, just completely like lost the handle of that ball. And then, of course, we did see the interception when he threw it, you know, way outside of uh, the catch radius of Marquise. And like he got a finger on it, but it caused, uh, you know, a tip play. And if that ball was a yard closer to Marquise, I think he catches it, right? Like he was kind of extended there. And uh, it's stuff like that, that we want to see cleaned up and that's fine. I mean, I don't know. I'm not too upset about those plays. I want to see them cleaned up as much as anybody, but if you give me five bad passes in a game, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as long as they're not all interceptions, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> then that's really bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then, yeah. then we're back to like the Steelers games, right? Where, you know, Lamar was mostly really good. The offense was mostly really good, except for like the four turnovers. <laughs> right. No, that's right. fair. That's fair. But I'm just, I don't know. I, I, why people have to i feel like nobody wants to see this guy succeed still from a passing perspective and it's like yeah i mean he's not the greatest we all can agree he's not the greatest passer but he's good enough that he shouldn't be criticized so much um that's just my take i mean i think it's just natural for the football world to to do that with passers who aren't having if they seemingly take a step back from what they had done in the previous season to kind of micro and analyze every aspect of the game you see it's you're seeing that happen this year with baker mayfield and carson wentz as well josh allen and jared goff to an extent as well i think are also guys who are really analyze what their throwing mechanics are and people having a lot of opinions on that but Mm -hmm. for me i i 
wasn't surprised that some of Lamar Jackson's throws were were off last night. I quite honestly expected it because he's had a bit of a long layoff where he hasn't been able to practice really since since the after the Tennessee game. So he he got what he got activated from COVID protocol Sunday night, I believe. Uh, so that's not very long of a, an opportunity to get back into the timing and um, the speed of the of the game. Mm-hmm. And some of his targets were new. Uh, Lamar Jackson loves throwing to the tight end. He didn't have Mark Andrews or Nick Boyle uh, in that game. Obviously, he did have Marquise Brown, but you know Des Bryant was getting worked in a bit. He didn't have Des Bryant, so he had to go back to Miles Boykin, who he hadn't really been throwing too much in games since Des had arrived. So, yeah, I, I think that honestly, his performance last night was about as good as you could have expected, given given the circumstances. And while there were some blemishes, um, they're not something I'm looking too deeply in and thinking they're going to be too indicative going forward. I think he's going to... The Lamar that we see for the remaining four games is going to be better than what we saw last night. I think with that, we should go to his number one pass catcher this game with eight targets, five reception, Marquise Brown. He got a touchdown. It was beautiful. It was exactly the thing you want to see, a kind of a street ball play where his hook was covered. And then he kind of looked at Lamar and decided, I need to sprint upfield. And he got separation from his man. And then, boom, touchdown. Beautiful. Best pass of the day by Lamar. I think everyone can agree that that was his best ball. So what do we think about Marquise? He kind of started maybe the game a little rocky, but then he started to have some good production. What are our thoughts? I mean, it's, it's definitely good to get him involved, right? getting involved getting a lot of positive plays and not just like you know not just like five receptions for like 10 yards and like those like stupid little dump offs that we you know seem to do a lot right you want to get him the ball you want to um you want him to pick up yards after the catch touchdowns would be nice definitely try and and feed him as much to you know build on those successes i I think for me like look uh, it's it's weird i feel like i was telling alec before this like i'm not sure if i'm gonna say he's back like, he kind of, in a sense, is back because even last year in 2019 as a rookie, like, look, I mean, his first game against the Dolphins was absolutely crazy, right? He just, like, was owning Minka Fitzpatrick back there and, you know, scored two touchdowns and had, like, over 150 yards or something, right? It was ridiculous. It was, it was like Torrey Smith's first game, right? But beyond that, like, he had some good games. He had some bad games. He had some games where maybe he didn't show up. And, you know, I feel like with 2020, it's just like we had this extended period with, you know, he just wasn't showing up or, you know, the plays that he was getting just wasn't making. And I feel like now with the Steelers game, he had that big touchdown from McSorley. That was something good to build off of. And now with this game here, building off of again with more with Lamar, I just think it's a good step forward. Um, I, I do think that what we're seeing now, I think we definitely expected more. We were probably all hyped from some of the offseason videos. We thought that he would really take a giant step forward. We have not seen that. I don't think that Hollywood is here. But for the last two games, definitely Marquise's, uh, I, I think for me, firmly ret- returned to like 2019 Marquise. Of like, he's still, he's still that good, but I don't think he's that much better right now. Yeah, I think the thing about those offseason videos is it's it's one thing to, to show what you can do when you know, you're not within the, the confines of a game environment and there's not that, that pressure. And then it's another thing to be able to put that, put that together once the lights turn on. And I th- think that's, it's a combination of that with Marquise Brown right now and still a continuation of, 
I, I think Greg Roman gets more crap than he deserves, but I also don't think that the offense really fits Marquise Brown terribly well. I think a lot of the routes that where he did make catches last night, they just didn't seem to be really putting him in position to really make the most of, of what his skill set is. And the one big play that he did have, you know, if you, if you wipe that play away and say it doesn't, didn't happen. Um, I think that was like, what was either like a 12 yard touchdown catch, something like that. And then, so let's say that was, that was, that'd be a four catch, like 29 yard performance. I mean, 7.8 yards per catch is not what we're expecting from Marquise Brown at all. So I think that the small plays that he did make, I'm hoping that it just continues to build his confidence because this guy has talent. I still don't know if he's a number one receiver, if he's ever going to be a number one receiver, but he certainly has a place in future Ravens teams to come. So yeah, I think I think there were positives, but it's still just, we're still not seeing what we kind of got teased what this guy can do as a, a vertical threat that can stretch the field in addition to doing the underneath stuff that we saw a little bit of last year. Yeah, I, I got to go and update us on Alpha Corner. You know, we had this big conversation last week about who an alpha is. <laughs> and uh, we actually did ask Jamie after the show if he thought Steve Smith Sr. was an alpha. He said yes, astounding yes. And I wrote down on a sheet of paper a bunch of people I thought who are alphas, and I did some lookups of their, like, build to see if I confirmed my theory. And my theory broke because I had no idea that OBJ was 5'11". And like peak OBJ was alpha, in my opinion. Therefore, I have thrown out my alpha. Uh, Steve Smith Sr. can be deemed an alpha. And I'm going to have to readjust everything I think about being an alpha. Thank you (laughs) for attending my TED Talk. (laughs) So wait, is is being an alpha just about height? I'm confused here. (laughs) I I had height being a very big characteristic of alpha-ness. Gotcha. Uh, just like wingspan, ability to just like snag. And and now I've taken it out of my equation somewhat. That's fair. Yeah. Come mm-hmm. on. Like uh, there's just no universe. Can you not have like Anquan <laughs> Bolden and, and Steve Smith and some of these guys in there? Like, they're all under six feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The alpha corner has been, uh, has been changed. So there you go, guys. I, I know that you're all waiting for the alpha update, but. <laughs> That's good. Well, I know uh, Steve Smith was too busy, uh, <laughs> too busy ripping Greg Roman to probably uh, to listen to that corner, but uh, we'll have to give him an update. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, another position group on the offense. We definitely wanted to touch on this this week. Uh, not every week do we talk about this position group, and you know, I, I think we leave this to, to some of the more uh, film study and, and analytical savvy uh, members of the Ravens flock. But the O-line, I think it's probably important to touch on this. And I, I think for me, the, the the biggest thing and the most interesting thing moving forward is like, look, the Ravens have not had the continuity that they probably have wanted on the O-line. And I think a lot of people recognize that continuity on the O-line is definitely important, having guys playing well together for extended periods of time, right? And a good O-line can definitely you know, make your offense very good. Uh, see the Browns this year. Like their O-line is fantastic. There's a reason why they're nine and three and the O-line is definitely a big portion of that, right? The Ravens being 14 and two last year, like they had a very good O-line and they were very healthy last year. And this year it just hasn't been the same. I, I think for me, the, what's kind of interesting is I feel like there's still like, we've kind of solidified it now, but also we haven't, right? 
So for me, I think it was kind of strange where Tyree Phillips was starting at right tackle, and then seemingly after the first drive, like he didn't play again. It was Fluker's show. Right guard kind of solidified with powers, although I don't know. Maybe Phillips might take his spot next week. Like I, I really don't understand. <laughs> I don't really know what's going on with that, but uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I think we were talking in our channels that powers kind of seemed like he should be the right guard and you know he got 100 percent of the right guard snaps yesterday and again i think played pretty well i also have no idea what they're doing with this whole fluker phillips arrangement i will say i mean they had one of the best nights in a long time in both aspects of run blocking and also pass blocking this could have been a component of just not that great of a defensive line so I'm very keen to see how they hold up next week against a very stout defensive line in the Browns. But yeah, it's about time they figure out what's going on here. I kind of think that McCary might start playing tackle, but I don't know. I, I, I really have no idea. Yeah, I don't know if the Ravens coaching staff really knows either. It's kind of like, you know, obviously replacing Yonda was going to be difficult and I think we all thought that Powers would be a decent replacement, but it took him until injuries to give him that spot, and he seems to have run away with it. Obviously has some areas to work on, but he's been very good in run blocking, and his his pass blocking's been improving as well from what I've seen. But, yeah, I mean, Fluker's getting put in and out there. Phillips, Skura, McCary, I think those parts of the line... You know, it's it's clearly Orlando Brown and Bradley Bozeman are solidified on the left side, and then everything else is uh, kind of fluid depending on, I guess, just how the overall performance of that unit is. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I could speak for most of us here where I feel like a lot of us probably would have expected there to be a little bit of a drop uh, between Ronnie Stanley when he went out and then Orlando Brown, uh, honestly. I think the only thing that we're really missing is that because Orlando Brown left the white right side, like there's a huge hole there, right? Figuratively and you know uh, literally, right? Um, you know, I think he's done way better than expected on the left side, but a fluger just doesn't seem like the answer on the right. And I think the coaching staff knows that, but they really don't have another better option at this point. You know, you just you would love to hope that there was like a scenario akin to like the 2012 Ravens in the playoffs where they're just like, oh. We're going to put in McKinney on the left side, move Ord to the right, and then Assembly goes to left guard. Boom. That just like solves everything. Everyone's playing really well, and it's just like that's the combination. They have yet to find that. I don't know if that secret sauce exists. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe McCarry does play tackle in that configuration. I don't know. But uh, gosh, man, you just want somebody to run away with it and just for the line to you know just continue to play well week to week to week. I, I will say, you know, to their credit, man, their run blocking has just been so good. You know, I I know it was against the Cowboys, and that is a huge weakness for them. But I kind of look at it, too, of like, look, Roman's putting in these tight ends that we've gotten from the street. Like, none of these guys, like, we knew, you know, even this week, let alone, like, you know, a week or two ago before we got them. It definitely doesn't seem like, you know, that we're leaning more on those guys. I, I feel like we're to some extent, like leaning more on the guys playing O-line to be able to make the holes and, and block for everybody. And uh, personally, like I, I think it's going pretty well, right? I I, I kind of like that experiment. I think it's positive. 
I think some of the guys are, are definitely up to the challenge, like uh, Orlando Brown, Zeus Jr. Easy money, baby. Put more on his shoulders. He's uh, he's going to block for you, and uh, he's going to do a good job. Evans takes it in for the touchdown and more. Easy money. I don't know about you guys, but I love that clip from the game. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that was great. The, 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 the easy money clip, man, that was like my favorite. That was yeah. like 2019 Ravens all over again. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was great. And I do think it's worth pointing out just how awesome a job he's done at left tackle. And I do think it'll be a big game next week again to see how he's able to contain Miles Garrett because he's kind of the wrecker on that defense. If he can have a hot game, that whole defense really elevates. And we've seen Stanley be able to handle him well. So big test for Orlando Brown Jr. coming up. Going back quickly to uh, the Ravens having to figure out the tight end situation on the fly. Uh, did you guys notice when the Ravens were lining up for kicks last night that I don't know the technical term for the position, but the guy all the way to the left on on the line for the kick formation, they had they were running Calais Campbell out there. Oh man, what? <laughs> Jeez. No, go back and and look. It, it was Calais Campbell on the left side, Luke Wilson on the right, in, instead of um, whoever the backup tight end is na- was for that game. I. I I don't know if I know the name of number 85, whoever the guy is they throw out there. But yeah, I, I did notice that it was Campbell out there, and I thought that was interesting. <laughs> what a team player. Yeah. <laughs> he has no business playing special teams <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I did notice him on some special teams now, but I guess I didn't notice his alignment. Yeah, I was like, man, he's, he's been playing in the league for 14 years. Like, come on. <laughs> don't oh, make man. him do that. And I mean, he didn't play much in the second half either as we no. like transition over to the defense. He definitely still seemed a little hurt. Yeah, man. I, I'm not sure if it was COVID-related. You know, hopefully not. Uh, I, I hope he gets better, whether it was COVID-related or not, man. Uh, whether it was the calf injury. I, I hope these couple more days of rest are, are going to be useful for him because, uh, yeah, he will kind of gas on some of those plays. You know, it's a shame. We definitely want him back at full strength because he's a monster when he's at full strength. I guess better that it happened now. But still, we got a couple more weeks left before the playoffs so we can come back healthy then. Fingers crossed. Uh, hopefully it'll be okay. Even that being said, it was nice to have him back. It was nice to have Brandon Williams back and Derek Wolf. all those guys, the monsters in the middle, they were all playing. Uh, I, I tell you what, man, I, I know we talked about him being like the the unsung hero, I think, of the last couple of games because Calais and, and Brandon have been out, but Derek Wolf has just been having a monster game. I, I don't know about you guys, but like I feel like when I'm thinking back to the beginning of the season, I didn't see Derek Wolf kind of like shoot out on the screen to me. It was a lot more of Calais. But even with the three of them back, man, Derek Wolf was just playing lights out. I just saw saw the hustle, saw him on a lot of tackles, uh, a lot of solo tackles, and just like he's still popping off the screen to me. And I- I'm just loving it. Yeah, he had another excellent game against the run. I'm forgetting when it was in the game, but there was at one point his tackle for loss. He just kind of appeared out of nowhere in the backfield and just wrapped up Zeke and just, I mean, when, when that man wraps up a running back, it's over. Like not even Derrick Henry can break free from that. Like he's just, Derrick Wolf's just such a strong player, man. But yeah, I mean, I think it is worth noting that this is the first time in a, in a while that you had all three of those guys on the field together. Now, maybe again, it's not, wasn't for as many snaps as we want it to be game in and game out, but that's still an excellent step in the right direction as the Ravens make this playoff push. Cause those three guys are, especially when you take into consideration some of the injuries that are in the secondary 
and some of the inexperience at the linebacker position, those three guys are pr- basically the key to making this whole uh, 2020 Ravens defense work. And hopefully yeah. the following week we'll be able to have Justin Matabuke and Broderick Washington back. Uh, we didn't have them for this game, so definitely had to rely more on those vets. But once we had those two guys back, it'll definitely help with rotating them out and limiting their snaps. Yeah, man. Welcome back, B-Will. You made a big appearance early on in the game. Again, that deflection that then resulted in the best catch by any player on any team that night with uh, Patrick Queen just fingertipping that thing. I mean, he should just start playing tight end. There's another tight end right there. (laughs) He's got good hands. He got better hands than Luke Wilson. I think we can all agree. Let's do a Twitter poll. Hey, man. <laughs> Luke Wilson caught his one target of the night. <laughs> yeah, and so did Queen. And his was much harder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very true. Now, I, since I wasn't wasn't able to make the the preview, um, you guys listening don't know what my, my bowl prediction was, but I, I doubled down on my Luke Wilson prediction and said he was going to get two touchdowns. And now this week I'm going to actually make a real prediction and, and get off the, the Canadian Luke Wilson hype train. But you know, <laughs> if he, if he had had a good game, it would have been cool. And I did think that there was a chance that he would, because this offense loves throwing to the tight end, uh, but they didn't need to. So, and that's, that's all we need to talk about Luke Wilson. Cause we're getting Mark Andrews back presumably. And we, we need to talk about the defense. <laughs> there so 100% agree. Like Patrick Queen, We've talked before on some of the things this guy's still growing into as far as learning how to be a linebacker in the at the NFL level. And, you know, there's been some games where it just hasn't been good for Patrick Queen and it's been ugly. But there's been times he's made plays too, and the athleticism is undeniable. And that was just another example right there. And, you know, that's stuff you can't coach. So this guy, just if he just continues to get coached up and just continues to be a student of the game – you know, year three or four, you could really be looking at, at one of the best linebackers in the league. Will that happen? I don't know, but I think the potential is there. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Uh, speaking of Queen, going back to the uh, the Hail Mary to end the first half of the game, uh, Patrick Queen was the only person rushing the passer. Like, literally the only person. Derek Wolf <laughs> rushed for about a second and then started going back in coverage. And it was just Queen running up against five guys. <laughs> and I'm like... This is it's really saying something if if Queen is like our best, you know, pass rusher in this situation. <laughs> that was really funny. Well, they just had to do the opposite of the Jets. They did not do the engage eight on a Hail Mary situation. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Another another side right there. Another side right there. <laughs> I I don't watch ESPN anymore cuz I just can't I can't stand the, the the talking heads there. I think they're just paid to to make outrageous takes, which is probably what happened here. Did you guys see that of all people Rex Ryan was ripping that call. Like Rex Ryan did all out blitzes all the time. Come on, man! Like <laughs> you're in a glass house with uh, with that one. <laughs> man, man, oh man! I wonder. Uh, yeah, Rex and Wink are really similar dudes. I, I wonder. I wonder what you know Wink would have done like with, uh, you know, with the with the pass rushers that we had back in like oh six oh eight, and uh, what Rex might do with with some of the defense we have now. I, you know. Just one of those thought experiments. Like, I don't, I don't know if there would be too much of a yeah. difference, but it would be interesting for sure. Before we continue, I guess, more with the linebackers, let's talk about the pass rush. This is an interesting problem. It looked really bad, this game. And when it first started, it seemed to me that the Ravens had their ears pinned back, and they were just, like, running with full speed ahead, trying to get after the quarterback. And it was combated with these very quick passes where there's no way that you can get to the quarterback that fast. 
And then the couple times that they did decide to develop a play, we got no pass rush. And I don't know why. I don't know if it was a different scheme. You know, I don't know if we're just like not doing a good job. I'm probably thinking it's the latter. I don't think we're doing a good job. But yeah, what do you guys think? It, it was a very interesting game, I felt like, for the pass rush. It was the aspect of how this team played that has me the most worried for the games ahead was my takeaway from watching that because the Cowboys, they have injuries on the offensive line. Andy Dalton, you know, we've we've known this guy for a while. We've played him for against him for a decade. He's fine. He's, you know, he's not a bad quarterback, but he's certainly not great. It was really disappointing that we only got one turnover off the guy. I was expecting a couple more. And yeah, I mean, we're still talking about how Ngakwe is still not living up to all of the promise that we hoped for when we traded for this guy. Now, there was no Judon last night, so that was that was we needed to take that into consideration as well. But yeah, we didn't see much from Bowser. Jihad Ward was really the only guy who had any success rushing the passer. I mean, he had the one sack, he had four quarterback hits, but outside of that, it was, you know, Dalton really wasn't under duress for much of the night. Yeah. It's definitely a big concern for me. I mean, look, I mean, you know, we brought in Agakwe because he had such success with Calais Campbell down in Jacksonville, right? I know we already talked about Calais was definitely not himself. I think he's still hurting a little bit uh, from injury. And so that definitely, you know, is, is a contributing factor. It's not the only thing, but it's a contributing factor. But then again, also like Derek Wolf has been doing the same thing that Calais was doing in, in Jacksonville. He's been doing that for years with guys like Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware, right? So clearly, like, you know, they know how to play the position and be able to set up guys for other sacks, right? We can't put it all on them, but, uh, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, you know, we have some pieces, but we just haven't put them together. The thing for me that I, I think I'm a little bit worried of, and I would love to kind of get into this more because, you know, again, a midseason trade for a player, at least recently, we've had a lot more success with some guys. Like Marcus Peters, like that was a great midseason trade. Like we saw that value immediately. Like he became a very good player. With Ngakwe, like I don't think we've really seen that. You know, he's he's been involved sometimes, but you know, I've also seen of like he's got pass rush moves, but he also like is just not it, it doesn't seem like he's really getting pressure on the quarterback, right? He's done some spin moves. He can do some things with his hands, but he it doesn't really seem like strong enough to be able to move his guys where he needs to, to be able to get to the quarterback. Like yesterday, it felt like a lot of his plays, like he would have the speed, he'd get to the edge, but he would just get passed right along the backside of the pocket. Or maybe he would do a spin move, but he wouldn't actually like get around his guy, right? He couldn't move his guy. His guy would be able to like basically anchor and just kind of hold him there. It's definitely a little bit concerning because, you know, when you look at that and you look at Jihad Ward and all the success he had, it's like, look, Jihad Ward like was one of those other like midseason pickups where you're like, we didn't really give anything for him, but we were really pleasantly surprised with what we got. And for Ngakwe, it's like, if we're going to spend a third round pick and a conditional fifth on this, it's like, I don't know, like, if for, as for me as a fan, like, I would think that, like, you would be getting more value over a guy like Jihad Ward, and we definitely were not getting that last night. No. He's been firing off the edge pretty quickly, but we just haven't been seeing the production. And, uh, honestly, I know it's almost not fair because we've had these injuries to the line the whole time he's been here, but we've had better pass rush in the games before he got here. And that doesn't feel like that should be the case. 
right? That's my biggest concern. Yeah. It's like if you add his speed and like Jahab Ward's power, whatever Judon had, I'm struggling to think of the word to describe Judon, but like Judon has had a lot of success in this league. If you could, if you put them all together, it would be like a really good pass rusher. But if you separate them out, it's just like you need to put those guys in like super specific situations to be successful, right? You know, I, I just don't think Ngakwe has like got the strength right now to really overpower guys. But like clearly he has the speed and he has some moves, some things that we haven't seen from guys like Tyus Bowser or guys like uh, Matt Judon. But, you know, those in and of themselves just like, you know, aren't winning those one-on-one matchups, which is unfortunate because that's, you know, that's why we brought him here. It was because we thought that we had guys that couldn't win one-on-one matchups on the edge. Yeah, I, I agree with what you guys are saying. I do think there's some game, been some games where he's had an impact. Uh, you know, we certainly talked about how he was one of the key players to help the Ravens in their comeback against the Colts. Um, he had some excellent plays in that game. And he, he had a good game against the Titans, too. But again, you have to remember the Titans starting left tackle in that game was their backup. So it's like it, it, that's a game where you're expecting a guy of his caliber to, to dominate. So. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's if it's Ngakwe or if it's the scheme or a combination of both, but yeah, the, the Ravens have to figure figure that out because his past pedigree has said that he can be a key a, a key component of what the Ravens want to do going forward and helping out a, a unit that's been a liability over the past two seasons. But they got to figure it out quickly because we got four games left and. We're going to say it again. It's it's a crowded AFC uh, fight for the playoffs. I guess one silver lining for Ngakwe was he was a split second away of getting a strip right near the goal line. And uh, that would have been huge. That was a good play that almost happened. And hopefully as the line gets healthier, they'll be able to put together the pass rush where we were dreaming of and salivating of when he first came on board. Because I remember when we came on board, we were very excited we could see a path to having a great pass rush and it just hasn't happened. Another player who was really close to making some huge plays and did have a couple was LJ Fort. I think this guy doesn't get enough credit, although we've been trying, I think on this show to <laughs> discuss a lot that he brings to the defense. This guy nearly made a couple plays yesterday. That would have been huge turning points and was always where he needed to be. Absolutely. This guy's just been, He's been excellent as an anchor in this linebacker position for the Ravens. It's no coincidence that the defense has has tightened up in these past two games since he's come back in the lineup. He's helping. It's like you're getting two linebackers back when he's on the field because it helps out Queen and Harrison as they're figuring out the NFL. And yeah, the guy's just a solid, solid player. Uh, Reminds me a lot of Darrell Smith from his time here. Another guy who... Underrated guy among the fan base. Uh, you know, he was, he was a vet guy as well. He'd been on other teams and had success there and just has uh, been an excellent anchor for the defense. So, yeah, another another great showing by LJ Fort. Excellent uh, a comp there, Peter. Yeah, I was thinking Daryl Smith too. Excellent linebacker for the Ravens who we picked up after Ray Lewis had retired. I, I know everybody remembers CJ Mosley and we got him in, in 2014, but Daryl Smith was there in 2013 and then I uh, was actually played alongside... Uh, CJ for a couple of years and you know again as CJ was you know we knew that he was the highly touted linebacker coming out of Alabama and he was you know very successful with the Ravens 
but it was always nice to kind of have that veteran presence for you know a young player to uh, learn from and and be able to contribute with and they had some pretty good years together uh, for the handful of years that they happened and yeah so with LJ and Queen and, and Harrison yeah I think that's that's probably the closest comp that we have as Ravens fans uh, because before that it's like Ray Lewis and whoever else is playing <laughs> like clearly LJ Ford is not a Ray Lewis as much as we uh, like how he's playing in pass coverage he's just he's not the same linebacker he's uh different strengths and, and different caliber of player. But uh, yeah, that was, that was a great, great comp. I do think we do have to talk a bit about the secondary in this game. I don't think they had a bad game at all. A lot of Andy Dalton's production, I felt, was in a time when the game was out of hand. But I don't know about you guys. It seemed like Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey, ever since the bye, haven't been quite as dominant as they were. Uh, in 2019, or or even in the f- before the bye happened in this season, Marlon Humphrey didn't have terribly good defense on the Michael Gallup touchdown. Again, not a play that had any danger of deciding the game, but you would like to see him have better coverage on that play, especially considering Humphrey's a all-pro cornerback and Gallup's a fine receiver, but he's not on that level. And Peter's coverage just continues to be very soft, in my opinion. What, what did you guys think of of the cornerback play last night. Meh. (laughs) Yeah. Like you said, it was decent. I feel like in a way we were daring them to throw, which is an interesting thing to do with the team that has such good wide receivers. It may be more a testament of what we thought of Andy Dalton. And it kind of seemed to work daring them to throw. I think that's how a lot of their drives fizzled out, but it wasn't the best. And like you said, while Marcus Peters, coverage i would agree has been soft anyone who runs that route as chris is mario cooper in the end zone there is getting in he's gonna score i don't care who you cover on him like that was just a really really well ran route yeah i feel like i'm i'm kind of uh on the surface uh, agreeing with you peter I, I felt like the past couple of weeks they just you know there's just been a couple more plays and that players have made against these guys that you know we might not have expected in the beginning of the season I'm actually really curious to look at some film and, and figure out like if there's anything that's a little bit different. I mean, the only thing that comes to mind right now is that like, look, whether he's still the same caliber of player like Earl Thomas, like when he came to the Ravens that first year, like he had a pedigree of being a very, very excellent player in the NFL. And, you know, that sort of notoriety kind of grants you some benefits, right? Quarterbacks just aren't going to throw your way because they know what you can do, right? Um, and like, I feel like that kind of can help create opportunities in other areas of the field maybe the guys could gamble a little bit more with a guy like Deshaun Elliott he's just he's not that same player I think he's been a good player for us I don't think he's been bad I don't think he's necessarily been a bad spot at this defense but maybe quarterbacks could take a little bit more risks in in making certain throws and maybe that's exposing these guys a little bit more I, I don't know how strongly I feel about that take but that's just kind of one thing that I've been thinking of you definitely like those guys to tighten it up a little bit more. Get a you know for Marlon in particular too. Like, look, I mean, he's an excellent press corner. Like, you'd want him to get your you know his hands on guys and and knock them off the routes. And you know, I know Peters. That's not necessarily what he does. Like, he likes to play off a little bit. Well, we'll have to see. You know, I, I don't know if it's technique or if it's scheme or or what, but. Uh, you'd like the guys to to tighten it up a little bit more. And, and the other big thing for me, too, is that, like, look, obviously they're good at creating turnovers. Marlon, in particular, is just excellent at forcing fumbles. The other thing, too, is that, like, sometimes 
I feel like I feel like I've said this before, but like sometimes there's good times to do that, and other times just like make the tackle. Like that's all you have to do. Just make the tackle. You don't have to go for the strip every time. And that's another thing where I've seen like I feel like far too often where he'll always go for the strip, and it's just like look, just <laughs> save the five yards, save the ten yards, just like just get it, like just make the tackle, man. That's another big thing. Yeah, I was looking at those uh, with a closer eye this game, and I felt like once that actually resulted in a change of down, like they got the the first down out of it. Most of the time I've seen them do it is actually after a first down's already been achieved. I wonder if that's part of the coaching. Mm, okay. I don't know. I'm just like, that's one thing I noticed. I was like, where are these yards happening and, and, and when do they do these things? I only saw it once when it actually impacted the the play. Obviously, you don't want to give up yards, period. But if they already got the first down, it's a little different. Right. Right. Yeah, it's like a calculated risk, yeah. Yeah. I was trying to pay attention to that in this game. That was like one of my uh, studies, so to speak. So it's not enough of a study to say like for sure. But that was uh, what I noticed this game. So for a surprise segment, uh, I don't know if we've ever had this take. But the special team's not that great (laughs) this week. Uh, I'm going to leave aside the jinx that happened to Tucker. Poor guy. Got sabotaged. But uh, the kickoff coverage wasn't that great. Yeah, I mean really the only point in time when this game was any in doubt at all was when the Cowboys were able to quickly answer the Ravens uh, touchdown pass to no sorry not the touchdown pass to Miles Boykin the touchdown run by Jackson that was the first touchdown was uh, on the subsequent kickoff after that play uh, you're you got the kick returner rushing back to Baltimore's 40 30 yard line it was yeah you can't see that it put our best kicker in NFL history in a position to have to attempt to make a tackle, which he continues to try and do, despite the fact that no one wants him doing that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we've talked about how the kickoff coverage in recent weeks has been excellent, but that wasn't the case on that return. And, yeah, I will say, though, the Ravens were able to do what the Falcons tried to make look like rocket science back in, like, week three or four, whenever that was, and without a doubt get that onside kick recovery despite the fact that the Cowboys tried to make it seem like it was a fumble James Prochet just watched the ball right into his hands fell down on it like you would expect to do <laughs> that was one of the silliest plays of just watching all the Cowboys players be like we got the ball I'm like no <laughs> it's like very clear and obvious <laughs> like there is a clear angle Gosh. to the football and as Prochet is holding it there's no pile there's nothing it's just it was it's very obvious it's kind of silly seeing them do that but uh but I, I digress yeah, as far as the kicking game too, it's yeah it very un- uncharacteristic of Tucker. It, it seemed like you know whatever wind was going on in the stadium it wasn't just affecting him; it was definitely affecting Zerline as well. I mean, he missed three field goals. So if there's any like silver linings to this, it's like look, you know, Tuck missed one, and then he adjusted, and then the rest were perfectly fine down the middle. But uh, I was a little worried after the first extra point. I saw it go left. I'm like, something's off. He's he's got to fix these kids here because he, otherwise he's going to miss one. And sadly he did. So, oh well, can't have them all. At least it was in a game that didn't matter. The number one time he, he missed, it, it broke my heart. Was that New Orleans game, man? That was the worst. That was the worst. Well, let's get away from the sadness. Let's talk about our MVPs. Boy, have I missed this segment. We've had three losses in a row. We're back to the MVP game. Who do you guys have? You know, this was a game where it's not much closer you can get to the definition of a team victory, in my opinion. 
I, I didn't really feel like any one player had like a super standout game. And boy, I guess what I mean by that is like you could, wouldn't look at it, any of these games and like highlight it as like this is one of the you know top games this guy has, has had in his career. But I, I'll give mine to uh, you know a guy who's been struggling. Miles Boykin stepped in, had a big touchdown reception, uh, his first catch in a while, and you know he was thrown into a role he might not have been on the field much had Des Bryant not had to get pulled during pregame warmups because of uh, his COVID test coming back positive. So uh, Boykin on uh, limited time um, just before kickoff is told, Hey, you're going to have a bigger game, a bigger role than what was expected. He turned it into one touchdown and probably could have had a second if uh, Lamar hadn't thrown at his feet later in the game. So hopefully miles Boykin, I, I know it's just one catch, but hopefully he can use that as, as a stepping stone. That's a great point, Peter. And honestly, as much as I was sad, we should, I guess, briefly, we didn't we didn't get into the fact of the fact that uh, Des Bryant got pulled for testing positive with COVID, and then everything was totally fine after we saw pictures of him hugging and embracing many people. I just whatever. Okay, uh, we won't we won't go any further than that. Uh, you, you can, you can the, the Ravens Twitter did plenty of that last night, but I guess. I think it's a good point to say like, yeah, Boykin had a little bit of opportunity and he was able to produce and it just kind of confirmed in my head that I really wanted to see that guy play like over, over Des Bryant. Like it's not as much as I would like him to have had that comeback game and get some revenge. It was nice to be able to see those plays to take it. Uh, I guess in the same vein, I'm going to pick a guy who was deactivated a couple weeks and that's Ward Jihad Ward. He had the only sack of the game. He played really well in a variety of different situations. And I think that was a really positive game for him and his uh, confidence. Like I said, you know, he he was the odd man out a couple times, and now he might be fighting to get more playing time. Yeah, excellent pick. My uh, completely obvious pick, Lamar Jackson, um, for exactly what Peter said earlier, like, look, this is a bounce back game for him to be able to play as well as he did with only two days of practice and, you know, however many days, 10 days plus of, of COVID protocol. I think that's as good as you can get. Um, he played well on the ground, uh, had a couple of nice throws. It was really good. If I had to pick a non-Lamar player, I'm going to pick Gus the Bus. Such a monster, man. Like seven carries and like over 100 yards. That's unbelievable. That's just so good. I, I know Dobbins is so good, and I know we've gone through this diatribe so many times of like which one's the better ones. They're both just so good. <laughs> like, you know, you, you can't, like I feel like you can't have one without the other. Um, I, I really hope that we can find a lot more success for both these players. On that note, we'll wrap up another episode of Ravens Recap. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. We're always making sure to retweet and mention some interesting things we're hearing about the Ravens. And also, let's see how we can build on this win. How we can we take these successes to go against the 9-3 and three Browns? Who would think that we would say 93 Browns? I'll tell you what, not their fans. <laughs> if you look at their fans, they're flabbergasted by this. So we'll talk about this matchup. We'll see if we have a chance and if we can continue our aspirations of getting into the playoffs.